And welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Carol Van Dam in Washington, and here are some of the stories we're covering, making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Thousands of retired South Sudanese soldiers remain on the payroll because there's not enough money in the pension fund. I am qualified for retirement. If there were arrangements for me and my colleagues, for those of us who started the war from 105 to Mamur battalions, we are already old people. At our age, we are unable to work. And Juba gets a $114 million plus loan from the IMF. With this new financing, South Sudan has enhanced its foreign exchange reserves position. And the Bank of South Sudan can now intervene in the market to meet any gaps. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in South Sudan say more than 64,000 soldiers who are above the retirement age are still on the government payroll due to a lack of funding in the retirement account. A military spokesperson says since 2005, soldiers who have reached retirement age have been put on a reserve list and continue to receive their salaries. Manyang David Mayar has this report for VOA from Juba. 62-year-old Yuana Red is a South Sudan People's Defense Force or SSPDF soldier who has been put on the list of wounded heroes after he experienced side problems in 2018. Aside from his trouble seeing, Red has reached the official retirement age of 65 in South Sudan. In speaking to South Sudan in focus, Red says he longs to see the day he will receive his retirement benefits and go home in order to start his life again after 40 years of active service since he joined the Sudan's People's Liberation Army. I am qualified for retirement. If there were arrangements for me and my colleagues... For those of us who started the war from 105 to Mamur battalions, we are already old people. At our age, we are unable to work. If I received my retirement benefit, I would have constructed a house for myself and made a shop for me to sit in there. Reverend Michael Ayuen Johnson, head of the Specialized Committee for Defense and Veteran Affairs at the Transitional National Legislative Assembly, told South Sudan in focus there are more than 64,000 soldiers recorded on the country's retirement list. Ayuen says plans to pay these servicemen and women their retirement benefits have been delayed for several reasons. There is Pension Act in place. There is a contribution made by both the individuals in the in the military and and the government the government contributes 19% and the individual or a foot soldier uh, contributes 5% that constitute and that makes up 24% of the contribution toward pensioning men and women in uniform that contribution continued from uh, the beginning of the government of South Sudan until today, at some point, the country got hit by inflation. And so 
This contribution uh, currently amounts to nothing. Lieutenant General Bona Panagbiar, Managing Director for the SSPDA Pension Fund, says the outbreak of conflict in 2013 and 2016, as well as the signing of the 2018 peace agreement, have hampered plans to retire older soldiers in the country. If you started from 2006 up to 2010 or 2011, this period cannot cannot take you to, to retirement because the, the percentage that is taken from, from the salary uh, will not be enough. But very unfortunate, we went to, to crisis. And all these crises uh, resulted into an agreement in 2018. The replies agreement over, override all the other laws. Panag says the pension fund office has been receiving the 5% contribution from individual soldiers that is deducted from the salaries and the 19% contribution from the government since 2006. He declined to mention how much his office has collected so far in the SSPDF pension fund. In the absence of retirement funds, Major General Lurai Kong, a spokesperson for the South Sudan's People's Defense Force, says members of the SSPDF who have reached the retirement age are simply put on the reserve list and continue to receive their salary. Some senior officers were put on reserve list and up to now they have not received their, um, their post-service benefits. And we have been doing it over the years. From time to time, some senior officers are put on reserve list. Gerald Kong says these soldiers and officers who pass the retirement age will continue to receive salaries until plans to pay their retirement packages are completed. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayor in Juba. International Monetary Fund has approved a $114 million-plus loan to help South Sudan address food insecurity and payment issues. South Sudan's finance and planning minister says the country has enhanced its foreign exchange reserves so that the Bank of South Sudan can intervene when there are gaps in the foreign exchange market. Deng Gaideng has the details for VOA from Boer. The IMF said in a statement released yesterday that its executive board approved $114.8 million in emergency financing support to South Sudan to help the government address the urgent balance of payment needs arising from heightened food insecurity. IMF says four straight years of intense flooding and fallout from Russia's war in Ukraine on the heels of the COVID-19 pandemic have exacerbated an already dire humanitarian situation in South Sudan. South Sudan Finance and Planning Minister Dier Tong Ngor told reporters in Juba Thursday that the emergency financing from the IMF would enhance the foreign reserves position for the country's central bank should it need to intervene in the market. With this new financing, South Sudan has enhanced its foreign exchange reserves position and the Bank of South Sudan can now intervene in the market to meet any gaps in the foreign exchange market. To counteract these new realities, South Sudanese authorities have worked to maintain macro-financial stability in these highly challenging circumstances. Key macroeconomic policies have been geared towards avoiding monetary financing, safeguarding priority expenditure, easing pressure on international reserves, 
and preserving financial stability. Moore says the loan will also help South Sudan meet other obligations. This disbursement is equivalent to 35% of South Sudan's quota in the IMF and it will help meet the urgent balance of payment needs while supporting food security and the part that is going for the budget support will meet urgent health and education financing. The IMF statement said continued implementation of the 2018 peace deal is a top priority for South Sudan's economy and social development and encourage government officials to continue working with the IMF. Abraham Maliet, a senior economic advisor to the government's economic cluster, says securing loans to solve the country's economic problems is a short-term fix. What I am seeing in that, it is an emergency uh, action to address the current uh, inflation and the scarcity of, uh, of dollar in the market, the pricing hiring up. So it, it can be a remedy for, for uh, a short term, but it is not going to solve this uh, problem in the long term. So yes, it is a short term solution with the consequences, of course, but we need to look for a very long term solution even to address the issue of, of uh, crisis now we're facing. Maliet says South Sudan should diversify its economy rather than relying on crude oil production for revenue. We're only depending on oil and then we take oil for collateral and then we take loans and we so it's not going to be sustainable, you know, but it is a remedy. If somebody got, you know, they say, Panadol do not take away, the, the, do not cure the disease, but it, it, it just stabilizes you for the time being, but in the next few hours, the real disease will still come back. Maliet says to solve the economic problems once and for all, South Sudan should bring experts on board and invest in their knowledge as well as introduce business diplomacy with its neighboring countries. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bonn. The Special Representative of the United Nations Secretary General and Head of the UN Integrated Transitional Mission in Sudan, or UNITAMS as it's known, says he remains hopeful that Sudan's military and civilian leaders will soon reach a political settlement to move beyond the current stalemate there. Michael Latit reports for VOA from Khartoum. UNITAMS Chief Volker Pertz told reporters in Khartoum Thursday he remains hopeful that Sudanese leaders will reach a consensus and restore peace and stability in the country soon. Shortly after meeting with members of the Joint Higher Military Committee for Security Arrangements on the Darfur track, Pertz reiterated his commitment to supporting the Juba peace deal to stop the fighting in parts of Sudan to return to a civilian-led government. Perth stressed the need for the urgent deployment of the Joint Protection Force in the Darfur region to provide protection to civilians as is stipulated in the Juba Peace Agreement. And he commended the different political forces, including armed groups, that are signatories for their cooperation. Sudan is promised to return to a transition civilian government once again through this political settlement among different Sudanese political actors. And we should not forget the importance of peace in the conflicting areas, particularly in Darfur and the two areas. The Darfur track is one of the five tracks in the Juba Peace Agreement signed in October 2020 between the Sudanese transitional government of military leaders and an umbrella group of opposition groups known as the Sudanese Revolutionary Front. 
Under the agreement, the various forces are supposed to deploy a joint 12,000-strong force in Darfur within 90 days to secure the area and provide protection for civilians. About 2,000 forces graduated last year but have yet to be deployed. The UN chief vows to continue cooperating with Sudan's military leaders and build the capacity of the Joint Protection Force and train them to carry out their mandate in a professional manner. We have achieved some development, including the establishment of sub-offices in all the states in Darfur. So we are looking forward to expanding more cooperation and more specifically training of the Joint Protection Forces on the human rights law. Perth says a stable political situation will help the mission seek more resources from the international community to support developmental projects and build community peace and reconciliation in Sudan. Since the beginning of our existence and according to our mandate from Security Council, we have been tasked to effectively build peace and help the Sudanese parties to keep peace in the country. Major General Abubakar Fagiri, chairman of the Joint Higher Military Committee for Security Arrangements of the Darfur Truck, says his meeting with Perth set a way forward in efforts to fully implement the security arrangements. We have set a roadmap for more future cooperation to support the peace process in Darfur. We expect peace to prevail in the whole Darfur region after the deployment of the Joint Protection Force. Last month, the signatories met in South Sudan and agreed to extend the time frame for implementing the peace deal by another 24 months. Intercommunal clashes have been rampant in Darfur since the fall of longtime President Omar al-Bashir. In April last year, authorities in Sudan's Darfur region said at least 200 people were killed and dozens of others wounded during renewed intercommunal clashes between Arab nomads and local farmers in Krenik locality of West Darfur state. Michael Atit for VOA News, Khartoum. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, African lawyers urge authorities in Juba to free a South Sudanese activist who is in Kenya. Find out more after the break. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. A group of African lawyers are calling for the release of a South Sudanese rights activist who was allegedly taken by security forces last month from his family's home in Kenya's capital, Nairobi. The family of activist Morris Mabior believe he was forcibly deported to South Sudan, where he was an outspoken critic of official abuses and corruption. Both South Sudanese and Kenyan authorities have refused to comment on the, his reported abduction, raising fears for his safety. Mohammed Yusuf reports from from Nairobi, Kenya. The Pan-African Lawyers Union has filed a complaint against the Kenyan and South Sudanese governments in connection with the disappearance of Maurice Mabior, a South Sudanese refugee and government critic in Nairobi. 
the union's chief executive officer, Donald Dare, told VOA a complaint was filed at the East African Court of Justice for the unlawful abduction and rendition of the refugee. So for us, what we are going for is a court order to do exactly the same, that the court orders that he be produced immediately, that he be medically examined, and that he be released. Uh, And if not, he should immediately be charged. If there's any offense for which they're holding him, he should immediately be charged in a court of law where his rights will be able to be protected. Nabior was allegedly taken from his home in Nairobi on February 4th by men dressed in Kenya's police uniform. His sister-in-law, Ajak Mayen, says Mabior was targeted because he criticized the South Sudanese security sector and bad governance. He was talking about the human rights violation and, and all these cases of corruption, especially the, 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 the system, how the national security are running the affairs, the disappearances of people, the assassinations, and all the corruptions. He started mentioning names, and you know... Uh, Our country is not that, we don't have that much freedom of expression. So if you talk, if you expose somebody that is in power, they will immediately come after you. Local and international human rights organizations have condemned Mabior's disappearance and urged authorities to locate him. Rights groups have also accused Kenya of violating refugee rights and UN and African Union conventions that call for the protection of people fleeing conflict and persecution. There, says Kenya and South Sudan violated the rights of the asylum seeker. He was in refuge in Kenya because he was being threatened back home by the National Security Service. So, unfortunately, um, earlier on, at the beginning of this month, in a joint operation of Kenyan and um, uh, South Sudanese security, they were able to abduct him from Nairobi and most probably deliver him to the Blue House in uh, Pujuba. Blue House is a detention center run by South Sudan's National Security Service. Human Rights Watch says it is a place where critics of the government are held indefinitely, tortured and forcibly disappeared. Mayen says the family believes her brother-in-law still held there. Someone has reached out to us that he had met him during an interrogation and he had told, he, he was asking about his wife because he has left one of the wives here in Nairobi and reached out to me to ensure us that he is safe, though he was tortured on the past days when he was taken to Juba. But I believe he's still in Blue House. Mayen says her family has contacted Kenyan police to inquire about Mabior's disappearance, but has yet to receive an answer. Kenyan and South Sudanese officials declined to respond to VOA's request for comment on Mabior's disappearance. Mohamed Yesu for VOA News, Nairobi. French President Emmanuel Macron kicked off a four-nation tour of Africa this week amid escalating tensions between France and Africa. African leaders recently demanded French troops leave Mali and Burkina Faso. Macron is visiting Gabon, Angola, the Republic of Congo and the DRC. His visit comes at a time of increasing disenchantment with the former colonial power and a shift toward Russia. Kamisa Kamra is an expert on the Sahel with the United States Institute of Peace and a former foreign minister of Mali. Kamara points out this is Macron's second term. He made his second big speech on Africa recently, and he wants a fresh start there. 
when he was first elected in 2017. He uh, did give a speech in Ouagadougou, the capital city of Burkina Faso, where he announced a new policy, uh, would be um, looking at uh, the youth as the main driver of his policy, but he also wanted to mark uh, a break from his predecessors. And uh, to me, this new uh, policy, as it was described by President Macron, is almost uh, an admission of failure of his previous attempt to do better um, than his predecessors. And well, is this too little too late? I think this is what we are going to be seeing um, in the next few months. When you say it's been seen as a failure before, can you get into some of the uh, the politics on the continent with France? What are you referring yeah. to exactly? I'm referring to uh, the Sahel region where France didn't really withdraw. Uh, France was actually ousted. Um, host countries have asked France to leave um, their countries, which has never happened before in the history of France with Africa. And uh, because this is this was unprecedented um, uh, and, this, and this was despite Macron announcing in 2017 that his policy with Africa was a new policy. Um, this was an admission of, of failure that maybe the implementation of this new policy took too long um, and that he really wanted now to hear uh, what Afri Africans had to say and wanted to revise his policy uh, accordingly. Mm -hmm. To me, his speech on Monday was more for African consumption than, than for friends. Uh, or for French citizens. To coin or to use a phrase that a colleague of mine, African News Tonight colleague Yehez Wuhib said today, he said he's basically shopping around for friends on the continent. Would you agree with that? It might be the case, actually, because uh, Macron is not traveling to the Central African Republic or to the Sahel, where um, his uh, military performance was um, a, a debacle, a disaster. Um, he's looking now at, at uh, countries of uh, in Central Africa, where France's footprint is still important, uh, but he wants to try a new thing. So he, he might be shopping uh, for, for new partners. And as part of the new strategy, French military bases will be transformed into military academies, we're told, while others will be eventually run by both African leaders and French leaders. What more do you know about this new setup? Well, it's the new narrative that President Macron wants to put forward. Um, he's not saying I will leave. Uh, what this says is I still want to be present. I want to be present in a new form, and hopefully this will be an acceptable form. That is Kamisa Kamara, an expert on the Sahel with the U.S. Institute of Peace and a former foreign minister of Mali. She was speaking with me yesterday from Oxford, England. It's Friday, and that means it's time for our weekly listener comments. And this week, they're delivered by none other than VOA's Endemyaki Mwalakaliye Liye. We heard from a number of you this week about the victory of the South Sudan basketball team in qualifying for the FIBA World Cup of Basketball, such as Mal Adao Mal in Juba, who writes, Hello, Carol Van Dam. I'm very pleased with our basketball team qualification for the FIBA World Cup in their first attempt. This is so credible, for at least there is something that South Sudanese can be known for apart from killing ourselves. Congratulations. Santino Mariel Majuk from Mapel, Wau, says, Hello, VOA News. 
Let me say congratulations to the South Sudan basketball team for beating Egypt today. God bless you. My message to all the youth of South Sudan is to put down your guns and join the implementation of the peace agreement in our country. Sabir Kamis of Yambio in Western Equatoria State writes, Hi Nabil and John, the Abia community deserves to live in peace like any other community. But unfortunately, it seems to believe that Abia is abandoned and left as a battle zone at the expense of the innocent people of Abia. The people were protected by UNISFA, but it is like even the mission is not going well in its mandate of protecting civilians and their property. Several times, people have heard of deadly fighting in front of UN forces, so I don't think it is wise for UNISFA to blame the deployment of SSPDF to Abia because primary, the responsibility of our government is to protect its citizens. Congratulations to SSPDF for the decision taken to deploy soldiers to Abia. Samuel Remo says, Hi, John Tanza and Nabil Biajo. It is true that South Sudan is among the top list of corrupted countries. I have witnessed it myself, a retired soldier who is supposed to be at home. I have become a medical doctor diagnosing patients while there are thousands of doctors with certificates seeking for jobs. James Rui Majok from Bentui Town in Unity State writes, Hi Nabil Biajo and John Tanza. The South Sudan government should intervene to solve the current conflict between the cattle herders and the central equatorial state farmers, especially in Ye River. This issue of cattle herders has become a concern because their daily attacks since December on equatorial community farmers in eastern equatorial state, central equatorial state, Kajokeji and some parts of Ye River state. Mading Malwal Aluong in Juba says, The corruption is depravity that must be fought with all the necessary means by empowering the Judiciary, Anti-Corruption Commission, the Audit Chamber and law enforcement agencies to address this pandemic. I also observed that much of the corruption occurs in the procurement process and therefore I desire to have an independent procurement agency made up of representatives from the three regions to ensure transparency and accountability. John Albert Badiangamo from Yambio of Western Equatoria State writes, Hello VOA. I condemn the attack that took place in South Sudan Bandingilo National Park. Why is there an attack in the park by an unknown gunman? We are tired of hearing about unknown gunmen. If we South Sudanese keep on attacking the national park and shooting wildlife officers and wildlife experts, how are donors going to visit our youngest nation, South Sudan, for game reserves? Therefore, I'm urging South Sudan authorities to hold the perpetrators to face justice. Peace, peace, peace is what we South Sudanese need. We want to live freely. Much thanks to you, John Tanza, and the team for updating us about what is taking place within South Sudan and around Africa. Emma from Ayivu Camp, Zone 5 in the Bidibidi Refugee Settlement of Yumbe District, Uganda, says, Thanks to John Tanza for updating us on what is happening in South Sudan and around the globe. Continue with the spirit and may God bless you abundantly. Goya Moses John from Uganda writes, Hello, VOA News. 
The cases of increased airplane accidents in South Sudan are worrying the hearts of the families of those who lost their loved ones. The personnel in charge of airports in South Sudan should put my request into consideration. The opinions expressed here do not reflect the views of VOA or of this program. We appreciate hearing from all of you. Keep those comments coming. Our thanks to Indimi, and that's all we have prepared for you this Friday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, simply go to www.voaafrica.com backslash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Riziki by Jamnazi Africa. I'm your host, Carol Van Dam in Washington. On behalf of our engineer, Nashwan Kali, and producer, Kwame Afori, thanks for joining us. Have a safe weekend. And remember to join us on Monday for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Thank you.